we're gonna have to introduce you all and get going i think uh, was it recording this whole yeah. time oh yes. no probably yeah. <laughs> oh fuck I was, did you say anything you wouldn't say on camera uh i'll have to check with my lawyer <laughs> <laughs> Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another Sunday Roast. Uh, back again with two wonderful guests, uh, friends of the show. Big Madge, Big Madge, can you tell us a little bit about yourself for anyone who's new to the show? Hi, I'm Big Madge Studios. I cover the dumpster fire that is um, British <laughs> politics, and we do some stuff on other countries as well because because I hate life. Life sucks. <laughs> That's why we love having you on. Uh, you know, you got to have some pessimism, you know. <laughs> You always brighten this up. Uh, Davey, tell us a bit about yourself. Uh, my name's Davey. I am a somewhat reluctant political commentator who has slowly gradiated further and further left as I've watched the ever-emerging wasteland that is British politics. And so now people don't like me as much as they did, and I'm fine with that. <laughs> wonderful to have you on. My wonderful co-host, Alex, can you tell us a bit about yourself and your wonderful lava lamp? Happy f***ing Christmas, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Look, guys, we've got yeah, some time left until Christmas, right? You know, keep Mariah Carey, like, you know, just away for a bit longer, okay? Quite funny. It was Halloween, Halloween characters carving her out of ice. That was, that was actually quite jokes. Hail to the lamp. And I'm Alex, also known as Political X. I'm a historian and a journalist and all-round lover of good things. Max! My name is Max. I run the Robespierre channel where I talk about uh, politics and Brexit in particular. Um, what's our first topic of today, Alex? Is there anything to talk about in the news? Anyone? Oh, mate, I don't, I don't even know what's going on at the moment. I've been so out of the loop this week. I've been playing Spider-Man 2, you know. Excellent, doing positive Excellent choice, by the way. It is, yeah. Phenomenal game. And um, yeah, you know, so I don't know what's been happening. You guys are going to have to update me on what's been happening. <laughs> That's what we're here for. Mm. Davey, anything from you? Are you, caught, are you caught anything other than Spider-Man 2? Um, I mean, like... So you know how during the coronavirus pandemic, we, we were all making up these really far-fetched scenarios about how bad things were in Downing Street. It turns out that we weren't going far <laughs> enough. Did anyone see, did, so you, did you see Terry Christian take on the... Uh... Inquiry to look at the evidence. Why is that not helpful? Because, I mean, what is the conclusion that it's going to come to? Yeah, it's going to come to the conclusion that our politicians were incompetent. I, I think we, we all know that. And also, it's going to be used as a political football by parties such as Labour, when on the most part they were voting for every single thing that the government did. It will quash your conspiracy theorists, shut them up for good. What it, what it teaches you as well as a country is that you cannot vote for incompetent liars <laughs> and blaggers that this country has had since World War II. Were you surprised we, 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 Well, no, let me finish. Yeah, on, we needed Mr yeah. Churchill, and mm -hmm. what we got was, in fact, Mr Blobby. And what's interesting now is it's not people like me or at the opposite spectrum, if you like, of, of politics attacking Boris Johnson. It's his own people. No, it just makes me laugh because those people, are the, 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 they're everything I love because they are the, the antithesis of democracy. These are the people who spent ages going, <laughs> you, you want to vote about what Brexit deal we want? That, that's anti-democratic when you ask for more stuff and, and do more stuff. Democracy is when you do one thing once and never do anything about it again. Well, it's, it, we could, there's so much to unpack with that entire inquiry. So we are going to talk about the inquiry today. We'll talk about a few other topics if we can, but there, there were issues about that brought up in the inquiry. There were all sorts of issues. There was corruption, there were cover-ups, lack of democracy. The 
it turned out according to Cummings, who is, I mean, you've, you've brought up democracy in terms of that. Cummings was trying to justify why it wasn't good for democracy to have a yeah. second referendum mm. to confirm whether or not we went ahead with Brexit. Yeah. But it's okay for Northern Ireland to do that with the Good Friday Agreement. I mean, that's fine. But for us to do that with this huge seismic shift. But wasn't wasn't Brexit wasn't the Brexit referendum a demonstration of democracy? So having another referendum would be another demonstration of democracy. You, you can't have too many demonstrations. That's that's too many. You can only have one. <laughs> We're only allotted a few a year these days in in uh, Brexit Britain. I remember a wise man once said you could have two referendums, but I've not heard from that geezer ever again. <laughs> that that can be dealt with in the legislation, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you could have two referendums. And as it happens, it may be more sense to have the second referendum after the renegotiation is completed. He disappeared into the. In, he re, he returned to his era of the 1800s, didn't he? He got thinner and thinner. Now no one can see him. <laughs> you just never heard of him. Where do we where do we even begin to unpick all of this? I, I think maybe on, start with what Cummings said, and then you can talk about what Helen McNamara said because she was the one who was on the, the stand, I guess, or whatever you call it today. But Dominic Cummings was like, "Yeah, you know, Boris Johnson, complete bozo," but we had to back him because otherwise Corbyn would have won, and there would have been a second referendum. And I'm like, "Okay, buddy," and he's like, "It was completely out, is completely out of control." Was no one had any idea what was happening. Boris Johnson had no interest in it. He thought it was going to be like swine flu. It was not like swine flu. Can confirm that. And that was the first problem we ran into. I think during the first lockdown, you know, they laughed at Italy. They were like, basket case Italians, what do they know? And then as soon as Rome fell, it came here and everyone's like, oh shit, who could have imagined this could happen? Max, you're Italian. What the hell do you make of like that? Like the fact that the Prime Minister of Britain is laughing at you dying. I mean, he doesn't even get the fact there are Italians in Britain. So it's, it's, I can't tell if it's just because it's the country and the geographical location or the people. I mean, you live there. When you I heard that, what was your reaction? I think it was a sort of mild racism. I think it was like, oh, look at Italy falling apart. Well, Italy is always falling apart. It's, it's, its politics is dysfunctional. Um, it's a, it's society must be dysfunctional. And I think it was a point of, oh, look at Italy's falling apart. Well, but, you know, it will stay there. But when Italy was, when the health system was under stress here, there were, there were people going to football matches or Cheltenham. And there were warnings saying, no, we shouldn't be sending people to these events. And, and people were coming back, going to Spain, I believe, and coming back. And there were no controls whatsoever. Um, but I think it was a case of, yeah, it was um, just a, a sort of mild racism towards Italy. Like, oh, well, like the it- Italians are all dysfunctional. So, of course, they're not able to deal with the pandemic. But then I, I think um, there was a wake up call pretty quickly when you started to sp- see it spread around Europe. It's interesting. Again, you, you brought up another interesting thing, which I th- think ties into McNamara. I know we want to talk about Cummins. I think we are going to end up flip-flapping everywhere. McNamara was saying how some of the cabinet didn't understand that going to a football match doesn't mean just turning up at the stadium and cheering and shouting. You've got the train to get there. You've got the you've got the fact that you're going to the pub beforehand. You might go to the pub afterwards. The queuing. But again, then it goes back to the cabinet. And I hate to say it because I'm going to have to agree with Graham Hughes from last week who turned around and said public school mentality. I think there was even something that happened with Boris Johnson coming out, uh, coming out and having to be explained that not everyone has an outdoor toilet 
like an extra outdoor toilet and a back gate which he couldn't get in his thick skull because he has never lived that life but then you've also got the misogyny which we can come into david i can see you want was, to... that was exactly what i wanted to jump in about because i'm not joking like my the level of rage i feel about the systemic bigotry it's and especially the misogyny of this government it makes me nauseous if you think about the way that they've been historically and especially the hypocrisy of Sunak trying to position himself as a government that cares about women this is a government that refused to illegalize misogyny it's a government that completely disregarded progressive studies from several countries that showed that there's no negative effect of giving leave to women that are having periods and women that are having menopause this is a government that has done nothing to help waspy women it's a government that's done nothing to help women and he is further proof of that exact thing and what annoys me is there's still government ministers that will not break ranks and say there is misogyny afoot in Westminster. Never mind just about the Tory party, because we do know that it's more extensive. But how could you be in that party and think that it's defensible to call it a party of pro-women when the utter contempt that they showed women who were talking about how badly COVID affects pregnant women? It's absolutely obscene. I genuinely, I could rage about this for hours because watching women be left in the dust again when there are some genuinely talented women in politics who really deserve to be running the show. It's just disgraceful. But their response is always, well, we had two prime, two female prime ministers. Uh, Which, three, and, sort of. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> two we, and a half. Yeah, we forget about trust because it was like... <laughs> it's just crazy. Um, I will, I'll, I'll add something to that, which I've become more and more aware of, which is menopause which affects severely affects about 20% of the female population. And one of the things I've found out recently is that GPs, they have optional choice to attend anything to do with the menopause, despite the fact that it affects 20% of women. There's no support structure really in place. And interestingly, there seems to be a, a, a massive shortage of pharmaceuticals, which included when Brexit kicked off, the first thing that went out was hormone uh, replacement therapy medicines. That was one of the hardest things to get to, get a hold of. But on top of that, some women have reported that when Brexit kicked off, they couldn't actually access uh, the, the medicines that they had. They had to swap onto something else, which people may not be aware of. That can be very debilitating because you've got to find the right hormone for the right person. I'll, I'll then add on, and this is how we link it in. I've not heard any policy to set out to help these 20% of women that are severely affected. But those, and I'm going to say it, fucking bastards will go after unemployed and make, you know, make an account of the 1 million of them or 700,000 that are seeking work and go for them. But they won't. There's no policy set in place for that 20%, which I find astonishing when their whole point is to try and get the workforce back. But then it comes back into the misogyny. It, it, it comes straight back into that because unless they've got, unless they're listening to the female perspective, the female opinions, and they're clearly not. And it sounded like they went on a massive ego trip, probably all thinking they're going to be the next Churchill. That they just, you know, they were swinging their dicks around and that's all that could be heard. Uh, did you, know, you see Sunak's interviews with Peston where um, Peston asked him, did you see any misogyny while she was working? Well, uh, I think during, during COVID, I was busy trying to make sure that we protected the economy and people's jobs and you know, working on things like furlough at the time. But and he goes, not me, bro. I was working hard. I was, uh, you know, the furlough scheme broke. And then he was like, but don't worry, though. Um, there's none of that in my Downing Street. And I'm like, how would you know? You just said you were too busy to see any of it when you were chancellor. 
you know, you're prime minister now. It sounds like you're pretty busy because you're saying got a cost of living crisis, you know, Middle East crisis. How do you know where, if there's misogyny going on in Downing Street? You say you're too busy for that. Like, he said he didn't see any parties. He's yes. been allowed in. Almost. Was that one of them? But have you yeah. seen, is it just me? Or have you seen the way he talks to female reporters? Oh, he's so, like, honestly, the way that he was with Beth Rigby in that interview when Rigby was saying, people want an election. Are you going to do an election? And he he's so contemptuous of women that question his authority. It's very, very clear because I've noticed that he's a lot more shy with, he's gun shy with male journalists, but certainly not with women. It's crazy. And like, you know, it's something that I regularly talk about because I feel like it's not platformed enough. The way that this government will continuously try and position itself as pro-women by using an anti-trans stance. Like being anti-trans is not being pro-woman. It's just being anti-trans. If you want to be pro-woman, be pro-woman. But they don't do anything to back that up. Another thing that's interesting is that they've, they're finalizing the online safety bill. If you were interested in keeping women and girls safe, you'd probably think that there would be guidance in there about how to keep women and girls safe. It's 300 pages long. Guess how many times women and girls are mentioned? Zero. Correct. <laughs> they don't care about women and girls. They just want to put everybody else in front of them and say it's their fault, not ours. Who do they care about? They're donors. Money. Themselves. So there was Oligarchs. Nadine Dorries saying we've got to listen to our donors because they're the ones that make the party. And those MPs need to hear a clear message. You know, we know just now that the Conservative Party donors have said themselves that they aren't going to support the party if, if the Prime Minister is removed. I think a number of MPs in marginal seats need to hear that and, and need to understand what they're doing. £80 million those donors have donated to the Conservative Party over recent times. It's those, those donors that have helped us to win the election and they need to hear that message. Do you remember that? And yep. then, Madge, what did you say? About? Just then, what, who do they care about? Oligarchs. <laughs> that came up in the COVID report. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. Lebedev made some money of it, I think. Yeah, that's the thing. Byline Times, they were, they were the only journalistic entity that I saw go into the fact that it was very obvious that there was a, what did they call it, cash for gongs or... No, that was a different thing. Like, cash for, um, basically for right-wing newspapers that were saying they were doing a good job. Byline uncovered that. No other mainstream media outlet actually mentioned that. And now we find out that it was actually a laundering scheme for Lebedev again. And um, do you see Dominic Cummings tweeted, no one's talked about this big story. And then one of the people from Byline Times is like, actually, we talked about it. And I'm like, yeah, shut up, Dom. No one talked about it in his immediate You know what he's going to do? He's going he's gonna to edit his website. So it looks like he talked about this like <laughs> two years ago. Do you remember that when he edited his website? He's going to edit his website and say like, look, I talked about this story before the Byline Times. <laughs> I can't wait for his autobiography to come out so that the Kindle version just continuously gets edited with like, Dominic Cummings <laughs> created nuclear fusion in 1972. Can you imagine? He invented the atomic bomb as well. He did, he did everything. I did love his incarnation on Spinning Image, where he keeps trying to eat Boris's baby. <laughs> Are you dissatisfied with me? Perhaps you would like to fire me? Oh, I, I, I don't think that would be necessary. I thought not. So... This is what you call a baby. Um, yes. It looks delicious. May I eat it? <laughs> Jolly good. Uh, afraid not. Uh, Carrie would be furious. Then I shall not do that. Instead, I shall eat some of your earth snacks. <laughs> Dominic Cummings wrote Churchill's speech on we'll fight them at the, uh, on the beaches. <laughs> but he, was he was still defending Barnard Castle. Do you, did you see that? I'm asking you... Do you accept that that apparent breach of the rules caused enormous offence and pain to the people in this country whose loved ones have died? 
you know, I think we're talking about two different things. I think the handling of it was a disaster and caused huge trouble and huge pain to a lot of people. And I very much regret and have already apologized for how badly number 10 handled the whole thing. But in terms of my actual actions in going north and then coming back down, uh, I, I, did, uh, I acted entirely reasonably and legally and did not break any rules. Oh my God, the way that the, the, way the lawyer was like, answer the question. And he was like, well, in 1973, there was a typewriter that, and he's like, Mr. Cummings, I swear to God. I need to see this. I, 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 so need this I need you could, this. You could literally see the lawyer just wanting to be like, I'm going to say, you, did you do a bad thing? Yes or no? And you're going to say yes or no. And Dominic Cummings goes, you're really asking three questions there. Like, it was absolutely obscene. I've never seen anything like it. Like, he, he really is. He says that he's not a politician, but he's a consummate politician that cannot answer a fucking yes or no question. Yes I, or no. I think he wants to be Alistair Campbell so bad. He wants to be like a top spin doctor, like, you know, a guy who's there, you know, winning, yeah. winning elections, you know, getting the dummies in, all of that kind of stuff. You know, yeah. like, oh, I won this election because of you. You won this election because of me. Don't forget it. You know, I'm the top don. He wants to be Campbell mm -hmm. so bad. And then uh, when he did that press conference, I'm like, you dickhead, you're not important enough to do a press conference. No one cares about you. Like the general public do not know who you are. Do now. Yes. Yeah, because he made himself, he put himself in the limelight because he went to a castle to do an eye test. He made himself look like a right prat. The thing that... Because everyone's like, why don't you just, you know, why don't you just look outside? If you can see the cars outside and the license plate, your eyesight's fine, buddy. That's what they do when you get your driving test. Like, I would just fully be like, oh, was your eyesight bad? Did you really? Like, it's just such transparent. That's how in contempt they are of us. That's yeah. the things that they think that we'll accept. It's it's literally, you know, we, we got to see it with like, there were no parties. There were parties, but I wasn't there. Yeah. And there were parties, and I was there, but I didn't know it was a party. <laughs> the Trump defense. Did you like, did you see uh, Michael Gove defending defending that situation when um, the Barnard Castle thing, like a couple of days after, where uh, Michael Gove was like, you know, sometimes you know you got to get your you got to make sure you're safe to drive, and I failed my driving test six times. I'm like, no one needs to know that. <laughs> that was so funny. I was so coked out every time, I just couldn't get a hold of the gear stick. That was, that was like, Michael, we didn't need to know that, but thank you for telling us that you took you six times to pass your driving test. You realise that Cummings reenacted a scene from the Stephen King book, The Stamp. The opening scene is there is an infection that's suddenly released in a, a testing facility for, for medical infections. And the guy is told to close the base and he, jab, he grabs his family, drives across the whole of America till the fuel runs out and spreads the disease across the whole of the whole of the US. And I've never heard anyone point out to him. If you had COVID and you your car broke down or you needed gas or you needed the loo, you would potentially have to go and interact with someone and you've got COVID. It's a really simple thing. I, it, it shocks me every time. But the number of parallels I'm seeing, the stuff that did... Did you all see Lee Kane's testimony? I saw a bit of it, of some of the stuff that he said, yeah. Max? No, I didn't see his, but I, I, I saw some clips of it, but I didn't see the whole thing. He, um, in, in one WhatsApp set of messages between him and Cummings, they said that they had to tell Boris on at least 12 occasions that the disease wouldn't, would, would go on for years. But Boris kept thinking it was 12 weeks. And the reason I made made that comparison with what I was saying. There's literally a clip of Homer Simpson having the FBI explain to him he's going to have to change his oh, name. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> and he's got to repeatedly tell him over and over again. 
Tell you what, sir, from now on you'll be uh, Homer Thompson at Terror Lake. Let's just practice a bit, hmm? When I say, hello, Mr. Thompson, you'll say, hi. Check. Hello, Mr. Thompson. Remember now, your name is Homer Thompson. I got you. Hello, Mr. Thompson. Oh, now, when I say hello, Mr. Thompson, and press down on your foot, you smile and nod. No problem. Hello, Mr. Thompson. I think he's talking to you. Like, and then eventually stamping on his foot. I'm really hoping that Lee Kane was doing that with Boris, like stamping on his foot, trying to explain to him. It Hello, Mr. Thompson. <laughs> to, to, to be fair, I mean, they had to explain to him, like, painfully what the difference is between the single market and the customs union. So it does not surprise me. He does not know, like, you know, it's going to last years. It's like 12 weeks aren't even that bad, you know. 12 I weeks mean, is, that's, you know, it's only a few weeks. You mentioned talk? Trump. What about he the talked. ridiculous thing, though, as well? Can I just, yeah, like, that thing, because I was I was on a train yesterday going to see, see something at the cinema, and I just couldn't believe it when the headline popped up. Boris Johnson had to be told that there wasn't a hairdryer that would kill COVID by sticking it up your nose. And I was like, I am literally, have I had a stroke? This can't be real. Donald Trump did the same. You yes. got to shine light Trump's, on yourself. And Trump's was some... worse because yeah. he said it publicly. Like, he came out on TV and, like, people were trying to inject lights or apparently, like, bleach. And the, 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 I think the CDC was like, no, please don't do that. You know, the, <laughs> the lady who was there, the doctor, she was just like, fuck, you know. I actually, I actually have memorized um, a Trump statement about coronavirus. Um, he was at a hospital and he was talking about the infection rate. And he said, um, antibiotics used to solve every problem. Now one of the biggest problems is the germ has gotten so brilliant that the antibiotic can't keep up with it. And they're constantly trying to come up with a new, some people go to a hospital and they catch, they end up dying from, from problems. You know the problems I'm talking about. And I'm like, so we had hairdryer guy and bleach guy like is it any wonder that the world is just crumbling apart because these are the people i, I, that I think power. there was bolsonaro who had like covid like seven times or something like that yeah. <laughs> so get him Honestly, but it, but it could he, have been it could have been much worse corbin could have been in charge yeah the chairman I, I i do like wonder what did we really learn from this um inquiry apart from the fact that dominic cummings was swearing at a lot of women he genuinely does seem like he has a problem with women like he marched out one of javid's advisors with police um there was that there was the, the statements he made towards Helen McNamara because apparently um they wanted to get David Frost to be the uh in charge of national defense and I'm like this fucking fraud told us oh yeah you know we got a great deal with the EU just vote for it and we're all fine and then about two months into the year he's like actually I'm gonna break all of those agreements that we had and just like but you said it was a great deal like you put it on Twitter you know are you saying people tell lies on Twitter Twitter is sacred you know I, I just genuinely bamboozled like you're going to put this guy in charge of national defense, really? Um, and that's where apparently he started swearing at her and things like that. And I'm like, Jesus, could you imagine you're trying to do your job and you've got some absolute dickhead swearing at you, like calling you all sorts of names? I, you, do you know what I mean? Like, the guy looks like a gust of wind will blow him down. Like, I'd have been like, look, bro, you know, he's stepping outside, stance up. It's over. <laughs> Honestly, if, if you said that shit to me, I'd be like, look, stance up, bro. And that's why they'll <laughs> never talk like that to a man mm. because they know, yeah, regardless of what, what build you are, you, you just punch him. You straight up punch him. I think I think I think we've got to be careful in advocating violence, but I know what you mean. Let's see. Would you say it's Dominic Rob with his karate skills and foot and mouth ability. 
Oh, the no, guy, the guy I can see has opening hours. That was that was with something you know, shiny. Someone made a Toby Maguire meme of that, and it's it's just stuck in my head. There was that that one and the one where Dominic Cummings was like, you know, when all the Spider Men point at each other, and I was like, we peaked. I said that to my friend, and I said, as a country, we have peaked. There's no greater height we will reach, apart from uh, someone who's in politics who mentions he references the Spider Man meme. It was genuinely the best bit of anything I've ever seen ever. But yeah, that Dominic. Like Rob saying the sea was closed, and I was like, <laughs> "Well, to be fair, in Britain I now, mean, in Britain now, the sea is closed. Certain hours you can't go out because of the no, sewage yeah. dumping. So maybe don't know what's going on in Cyprus, but maybe they have similar problems to us. But yeah, the sea was closed. It's I think to be fair, like just to get a little bit serious for a second, Dominic Rob is the perfect lesson in how misogyny runs rampant in Westminster because we know, uh, I like I know people who like work around Westminster and have told me stories about Dominic Raab that I will never be able to tell because I don't want to get sued. But one thing that we that we've been told, I'd, obviously it's unsubstantiated. You want to tell us about Dominic Carb? Robin, no, I can't. Dominic no. I, I, I wish. I, honestly, I, I don't because honestly, it's worth more than my life, and I'm very poor. But um, <laughs> there was the the story about the woman who went on the news with him, and she just corrected him on something he was wrong on. She was on the news with him, and he was like, and blah blah blah, and she was like, well, no, actually, it's this. And apparently he got her in the corner of a lift on the way out of the BBC. Gina Miller. Yeah, like how, oh, do you need God. more evidence? How about the way that he spoke to Carol Cadwallader? Like, you know, there's there's a tranche of evidence that the government is inherently misogynistic. And Dominic Raab was like heading up the old boys club. From what McNamara was saying, there was an element of, as soon as shit hit the fan, there was an element with the men that they wanted to be the one that was going to save the day. Did you see? Yeah. Do you see the Dominic? Uh, not Dominic Ra. What's his name? Mister Kissy Kissy, um, former health secretary. He was there. What's um, Matt Yeah. Do you know he was like saying like he, you know, the the minister will decide like who dies and who lives or something like that. And I'm like, yeah. Who the fuck do you think you are, bruv? Can you imagine? Like, I wouldn't trust Matt Hancock to bring me a warm cup of fucking tea. Never mind being in charge of whether I live or die. The guy's an absolute moose. How do you think it's gonna go? Like that scene in Gladiator where he goes like this, um, um, and someone dies. Like, what, what, what was he thinking? Like, you leave it to healthcare professionals. So then there's two, there's Honestly. two things to take from that. Did you see Dominic Raab getting ripped apart by the interrogator on SAS? Matt Hancock. Oh, um, I think I saw a clip. See, of, uh, Matt Hancock. Yeah. That's no question. Oh, you sarcastic little fucker, Mister Fucking Talkative, Mister Fucking Know It All, Mister Fucking Wants to Talk and Talk and Talk and Talk about what he wants to talk about, doesn't want to talk about this. That is bollocks. No, I'm, I'm trying to work out what you're getting at. Listen to me. Mm -hmm. You know exactly what I'm getting at, all right? Why do you keep just raising your eyebrows at me in that bed? Well. Well? What do you mean, well? What kind of an answer in this situation to me is well? What do you mean by well? What kind of a fucking arrogant, cock-sucking answer is that, you weasel-faced cunt? So, here's the thing, right, a bit of a controversial view on this. This is part of the rehabilitation yeah. arc, because people will be like, well, look, we've all had it said to him now, so we can all move on. And I'm like, no, I, I genuinely, I want to find out the nursing home that he's going to be in, so that I can once a day go and knock on the window and be like, murderer because i don't think that he should ever be allowed to move on from this yeah. and this putting him on our screens and rehabilitating him by putting him in adversity and all of that it feeds into this like oh poor little man I, th like, I think it's 
it's like sports washing on it in that sense of oh yeah. yeah i remember matt hancock he was the guy in the jungle he was the guy in sas that's what he's trying to do yeah i agree yeah, with that. absolutely and you gotta remember like this guy was health secretary during the most pivotal moment of that job he botched it so badly that dominic Cummings was like look we need to stop this guy we need to take over because this is awful like the, the whole thing with the testing thing like he he held back some tests and pushed more to the next day so he could hit a stupid target and like oh yeah it reminds me of probably the funnest one of the funniest things george osborne's ever said where um uh what's his name you know in the isabel oak shot the stuff that she leaked where um <laughs> matt hancock was oh no one gives me any credit and blah 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 and um, then he said something like, um, "I think it's going well." Like the, you know, the way they're doing COVID. And then George Osborne texted him back saying, "No one thinks it's going well, Matt." And I was like, <laughs> "George Osborne made me laugh." I was like, "No one thinks it's going well." It's true. Everyone's looking at us, thinking, "Bro, I don't know what's going on over there. You're an island. You could have dealt with this so much better." Uh, we laughed at Italy, and then we did worse than them. But then that comes. We had an extra two weeks. That then comes back to the that big picture, which we do get the re like. They had no plan. They had no infrastructure to protect the borders. Well, no, actually, they, they had. A, there, there was a. There was a plan. There was a. There was, um, exercise sickness, but they ignored the plan. They were told what to do. What was Matt Hancock? Because McNamara and Lee Cambo said it was basically a communication sheet. What got put in front of? What did Operation Sickness say? Operation Sickness was a comprehensive plan of how to deal with a pandemic-style scenario, but the problem with it was that it hadn't been means-tested in a while, so they didn't know based on the numbers that we had and like location centres and travel infrastructure and blah, blah, blah. They didn't know that it would be that effective, and essentially they just fucking ignored it. And by all accounts, and we've known this the whole pandemic, apparently they went to like where the emergency stores of PPE were and they picked it up and it just crumbled into dust because yeah. they'd not actually ploughed any money into it because of... Austerity. The last one who actually added to the pandemic stockpile was um, Gordon Brown. Mm -hmm. I think a hundred. So a lot of it could be reused, but no one had tested it, and it was meant to be tested in December, and it been and it just started. But of course, by the time they got to February, checking through all that stockpile just hadn't dented it. So there was an element of like, okay, that's a bit unfortunate. But when they were doing the checks, they were finding like, I think masks, a hundred percent of them were useless. Yeah. And it was in the ranges of like 30 to 50% of the stock just needed to be chucked out. And as you said, Gordon Brown was the last one to actually restock it. Yeah. But th th this then comes back to the... So Gove on GMB News, uh, yeah, Good Morning Britain News, in front of Piers Morgan and everyone said there was no policy of herd immunity. Good. I think it is also the case that it's important that you should clarify that the UK government was never also pursuing a policy well, of herd Well, Patrick Vallon said actually on Radio 4, on record, on tape, that that's exactly what we were doing. Yeah, we've got Vallance. Yeah, I know. But we've got Vallance. And Piers Morgan said this to him. I've got two clips. I've got multiple clips of Vallance saying it's herd immunity on Radio 4 and on another channel, on we've Sky, got, I think. We watched it live. There, there was a few of them that said it. Um, I think Professor yeah. Edmonds, I think he even said, like, mm. we're going with herd immunity in Spanish professor. He was like, you're crazy. Like, this this policy is nuts. Like, you will kill people. He was he couldn't believe it. He was mm. like, you're insane. And that, yeah. But from their perspective, because there was no plan, because there was no test and trace system, and because... So there's another interesting thing. You'll hear, you'll hear the odd person come out and say on, like, these uh, debating channels like LBC and so forth, oh, there was nothing they could do. Everyone else had the same problem. If you go and look at Vietnam, which borders China and their biggest tourist numbers are Chinese and their cities are culpable in size and their population is in similar size to the UK, you can see that they just closed the borders. And they said, if you come in, you've got to go and stay in a hotel for two weeks. That's it. 
and then they had hardly any deaths and their economy grew i i hate to bring this up but yeah. vietnam i mean it's not fully socialist based on the fact that the government keeps back a lot of money but fundamentally it's a socialist society and i know that people don't like that word because nasty socialism means no iphone but like the whole entire point is during scenarios like this why would you not socialize things because that's how you make them continue to work I mean, Japan, did a lot better Japan did a lot better than us as well and they have um you know a much i think they've got a higher population density and yeah, they're they also do. an island so it'd be the best comparison but they've been prepared since i think sars outbreak they've had been yeah that's the thing, SARS yeah. outbreak but we didn't um we had a bunch of dunderheads in charge let's be honest here were more but when it obsessed came to, with but themselves. if you look at but if you look at many asian countries people wear masks all the time yeah out yeah. of courtesy you know you have a bit of a, a sniffle you put on a mask but why is it in europe that and particular when we're looking at the tories it was like masks are masks are the problem not the pandemic easy because we we see pathetic little trite actions like putting on a mask as restricting our freedom instead of taking away our right to protest or making it more difficult to be able to strike or making it more difficult to be able to vote that's why like practicality goes out the window people want the the symbolic freedom of being able to show our ugly ass faces in our fucking shit anemic weather to go back on your point about socialism, do you do? I think Penny Morden criticised and said we don't want a socialist state. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the NHS. Well, that's the exactly. Thing. Like, <laughs> it's like, it's like what, what are you talking? So you hate the NHS? They do. Like if, if you look at what's happened, you know, like I've spoken on your channel before and I've written extensively mm. about the NHS because it's my bread and butter. It's what my career's been in for like thirteen years now, and in particular, looking at the figures that we've got for the NHS right now and the options that we've got politically, we're absolutely fucked because we've got. We're going to privatise it, but we're not telling you. We're sort of maybe going to a bit privatise it temporarily and then not forever, but maybe forever because that's not how it works. And then we've got Reform UK, whose entire ethos around the NHS is abolish waiting lists and then try and reach net zero with immigration when like 40% of our healthcare staff are from abroad on tier two fucking visas. I looked at that in prep for today. There's no economic policy. It's just cuts taxes. And you're like, and this it, cut taxes to increase the economy, but you're like, that won't work. We've seen that. If you, You've got to raise cash. And in, ma- in many ways, if it's you Brexit. Go through, it's genuinely, it's, honestly, I recommend that people do this because people take Reform UK seriously. Go on their website and look, look through that manifesto and each problem makes the next one worse. Oh, we, we want to abolish wokeness. <laughs> okay you want to stop people being woke in education you're not going to try and beef, beef up education and get people trained in the jobs that are going to be short because you want to make immigration net zero and you're going to abolish waiting lists which is going to do precisely fuck all except now we're not going to know how many people are waiting to fucking die on the nhs like, but, but reform uk reform uk are the, yeah but but reform uk are the the political equivalent of a, a heckler at a comedy club you know, they're not going to get up on stage as and, much as, and go on Sorry, sorry, I, did, I don't mean to interrupt. It's just like, the problem is, people are not taking them seriously, but because people are so fed up with this paradigm of Tory Labour, Tory Labour, Tory Labour, people are starting to take Reform UK seriously. They're, they're, why I'm... they're like a right wing, they're like a, the Tories, but more on immigration. That's why they like it. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much it. And so that's why they exist. It, like you said, Max, it, it shifts the Overton window more to the right because the Tories' biggest fear is having a competitor. Like if you look at the damage you kept in, one, no seats completely shifted the national conversation. That's what the yep. Tories don't want. And all they have now is immigration. They can't go on the economy. Economy's fucked. Can't go on the NHS. Fucked. Um, all they have is immigration. And they're like, we'll bring it in for tens of thousands. Like you've been saying that since 2010. 
It's not happened. We're going to stop the small boats. It's like, really, you can't. Unless you set up a processing center in France. Like, it, it, they're cooked. That's all it is. They've got nothing. They create big monsters saying, we can protect you from them. And now, reformer like God, they didn't do what they said they were going to do. Why would you trust them now? That's the thing. And you brought up an interesting point there as well, because there's a point that people bring up a lot, which is, oh, wait until people get in power and see what they do in power. I'm sure they'll fix things then. If you look at the fact that Nigel Farage has never been within a snifter's arse of power, look how much he's steered conversation and look how much UKIP has influenced our politics to the point where we left the EU based on them from getting no seats. Like, don't believe this. People need to have power to change things. It's not true. We can influence things from outside power, and that's exactly what that, we should that, be doing. That, that drives me nuts, you know, because you're going to put people in power, and they're going to say, well, if you don't vote for us again, you can let the other people in. Is that what you want? You're going to help the Tories. And it's like, you just don't win at that point. That's a stupid lie. When, when people say it genuinely drives me mad, it's like you should put pressure on them now before the manifesto comes out, because you're not going to get what you want once that manifesto is done. Because they're going to say, yeah. well, you know, you, sh you had your chance. You should have you been there when we were crafting policy. Yeah, exactly. I quite like the fact that reforms finally turned up and is sucking power out of the Tory party. Because it's handy now. You can argue that the Labour Party's had that with the Lib Dems. And you've sort of had this like flip flap. If you're going to not vote Labour, you're likely to go to Lib Dems instead. Well, so you, you, that the left hand side of the argument has actually been weakened for quite a while. There was even an interesting thing I heard on if proportional representation had been brought in since Margaret Thatcher. Labour would have got in every other time, bar once for Thatcher and one other occasion, I think. So they would have been in power. The Tories would have only been in power twice. But then we go back to Starmer, and he's not gonna. He's not. That's gonna always a ropey people. one. Looking at the vote share like that, it's always a bit ropey because people's like, uh, people vote differently. They vote tactically normally mm. when it comes to yeah. like first past the post. So I wouldn't. I, I think Labour would probably be in power most of the time. Um, if there was a proportional representation system. But the problem is you can have all of the power some of the time or some of the power all of the time, and we know which one they would rather have. Well, then it goes back to what the COVID inquiries brought up. Because to me, I think Cummings said the second he felt that the second most powerful person in the room, other than the prime minister, who's number one, was the cabinet secretary. So you're going, right, so we don't elect the head of state, we don't elect the PM, we don't elect the House of Lords, it sounds like the cabinet were absolutely useless and that the actual cabinet office, the admin staff, unelected, had more power and say. I, I think he's saying that because he wants to get, he wanted to get rid of a lot of them. That's why he was such a bitch towards them. And mm -hmm. that's something he said a lot of the time, which, you know, Britain needs a big uh, change in the way like civil like the civil services. So 100%, I would say that's complete BS from Dominic Cummings because it pushes his agenda of, oh, you know, these unelected people are in charge. Well, we've heard that one before. Yes. So, you know, if, if, if the admin if the admin staff have all the power, it's because the politicians have abdicated to them because all the, ad all the civil servants are there to do is what the politicians want. So if the politicians don't tell them what they want, they're going to try and do the best on their own because that's all they have so well, this is what really pisses me off when i hear like suella braveman and people and her supporters saying it's the you know it's the blob that's stopping suella braveman from stopping the bolts or turning or sending people to rwanda you know it's she's the one in charge if and it really pisses me off so when when we see these protests outside the baby stockholm or outside hotels these people are protesting against the asylum seekers when you know, if they're really upset, well, they should be upset with Suella Braveman because she's the one making the decision at the end of the day. The amount of times I've turned around and I've said to the, to, I've said to these people of the internet, obviously not in person because they've heard of me, but 
I've said like, how many how many migrants came here and voted to cut tax credits? How many migrants came here and voted to make sure that we were less able to protest? How many migrants came here and voted for blah, blah, blah? And you list all the things the Tories have done and you see the light switch on sometimes. Like they aren't the problem. Like the immigrants aren't the problem. LGBTQ plus people aren't the problem. Muslim people aren't the problem. Like that the problem is the fact that we have an ineffectual bloated government that doesn't want to do anything because it's incentivized not to. And through that, there is a political machinery that gives us palatable limited options that we continue to accept instead of thinking about how it is that we can feasibly change the system to actually benefit individual people. It's what they've done. What they've done is they've looted the treasury completely, especially mm -hmm. with COVID. And then now they're like, people are like, oh, we need money for things. It's like, Ah, shit, we need to blame someone else. That's, that's what has happened. They've completely looted it, like sold off Royal for what? Sold it on the cheap as well. Mm -hmm. um, if you look at, you know, the amount of money they wasted during COVID, it was tremendous amounts. David Cameron sold off Royal did a tax cut for the top, uh, um, you know, the 50% tax cut, changed it to 45. Who does that benefit? You know, if you look at the low growth we've had, especially under the Tories, it's, it's awful. And then now they've got nothing. The economy is completely cooked. No money for investment, or at least that's what they keep telling us. And so, you know, our debt to GDP is slightly lower than France's. But what have France got to show for their debt to GDP? A lot better um, services than we have. You know, France have invested their money a lot better than we have. And it's a country that works better. And a better that, birth it. rate. Yeah, this know. is something else that we're not talking about. They don't want, seem to be a group of people in the UK that don't want people from abroad coming over. That's part of what Brexit was. Yeah. I don't I'm, care what anyone says. I'm going to say that. It's a similar sort of birth rate to what Japan had in the 90s. And Shinzo Abe came in. He was centre-left, I'd say. Some people might say centre-right, but I thought it was centre-left. And he put in all his policies. It increased GDP, but it did nothing for the economy because the population didn't recover, including immigration. Go on, Madge. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, with the James O'Brien interviews, as much as the guy's really annoying, especially on Starmer, whenever he interviewed callers, it would go down to one issue, which is immigration which is, I, I don't want people coming here. That's it. That's what they had in the end. But you can't have a capitalist economy. No, you they can't. Don't know with a reducing population. They, they, they don't the get problem. that. You know, they, they think, you know, if you borrow money to invest in the economy, that's a bad thing because they've been told the economy is like a household. These exactly. people don't understand a lot of things. Once you con people to believing the economy is a household, you can get them to believe anything. But also on, this man. narrative of Britain is full. So you'd have the, the anti-immigration people saying, well, you know, Britain is full. We can't take in any more people. It's, you know, it's, um, <laughs> it's bursting at the seams. But the same people would say, um, not all of them, but a lot of them, very much to the far right, are saying um, British people need to have more kids. So, well, which is it? The, the country's full or you need more people to 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 fund the, the NHS, to, to, to staff the NHS and other services? Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at other countries around Europe, with the exception of Italy, but Ireland in particular is very, very welcoming generally to immigrants and its economy is doing really well. And if you have people coming in with different language skills, different skills, you attract more investment. So if you say we're open to skills, we're open to different languages, we're open to different cultures, you'll, at, you'll attract investment. And we have the Tories going in the opposite direction, saying, no, no, we want to close the borders because we need to keep a small section of society who are not representative of, of all society. We need to keep that small section of society happy um, and to hell with the consequences. Like this is this is long term. This isn't just... 13 years of Tory rule, this is going to go on for some time. Even when Labour get into power, they're not going to be able to undo the damage uh, of lack of investment and closed borders and stuff like this. Um, but as we said, which was interesting, the borders are open for 
smuggling <laughs> post Brexit, yeah. but they're closed for for people that you actually need in 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 vital services. It, it, I'll just. It was interesting to bring up the point with migration, and that I think they're starting to reduce the numbers of people coming in, but they still don't have anywhere to house them. They're still in hotels. Well, if you wanted to close the borders, where would you put everyone that you need to that are flying into the country into isolation for two weeks to make sure they haven't got the disease? Because if we can't fit, that's so. This thing again, it still comes back to the COVID inquiry. I'll keep looping it back. That said, you, there was no plan. I don't think there is a plan. There still. I, that, and I think I think that that goes into a bigger set of discussions about well, if we haven't got a plan for this, what do they I, have? I think plan? the other problem is, are they even going to follow it? Like the, the plan that they have, like um, uh, this is what I'm saying. Like they, they just they're free. Like it's just the whole thing. Like they had no idea what to do. Like surely the the doctors were like, look, if we lock things down. You know, we can you know, we can stop the spread of the disease. Not like, oh, we don't want to do that because the economy tank. That's what Boris Johnson talked about. You know, life expectancy. Uh, the people who um, were suffering the most from COVID it was about I think people aged eighty four. He said that that's above life expectancy, so it's all good. That's one of the things he said. It was on the uh, the yeah. board. He was having so live longer. Yeah. He's a that's, that's what I mean. Like, yeah, they they they're done. You know, like at that point, what economic output can they give? But sorry, they, sorry, they, Grandma, you have got to die for the economy. But then that sense they don't understand economics because they, they don't. just give, I mean, they, this yeah. is. That's the thing that's so annoying about this whole situation. We get told the Tories, the party of law and order, they're literally turning rapists away from prison because they're so crowded. The party of law and order. Prime Minister caught on camera breaking the law once. Prime Minister yes. caught on Four camera years to breaking get, the law once. in court as well. Yeah, it's, in court. it's obscene. And then they're like, oh, well, with the party of fiscal responsibility. <laughs> Sorry, I was confused by the smoldering wreckage of the economy over there. So I must have been confused. Like, they just lie, and people are like, mm-hmm, mm, It's the media lower, that's, that's it why. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, Laura Koonsberg, oh, we've maxed out their credit cards. It's like, I don't even know the country had a goddamn credit card. What, what's the, what are you talking about, man? Like, you have no economics background. Get uh, Mustafa Kamal on. Get someone, someone, get someone intelligent on, Kamal Ahmed. Get him on, who's got an economics background. Why are you talking about economics? You've got no idea what you're talking about. Maxed out the they credit cards. That's the thing as well, dumbing down economics into a household bill type thing, it, it completely removes the ability to scrutinise things from alternative like economic perspectives. I've started reading about, I mean, I'm reading about Marxism at the minute because I just find it interesting, but I've been reading about Keynesianism and stuff. And yes, okay, we have historical examples where Keynesianism's failed and, and things like that. But in particular for economic recovery, there's no reason why we can't look at that model and apply the bits that work to the things that need to be fixed. It's like people do this holistic thing of like, Let's do it all this way and let's call it like, you know, like Johnsonism, Starmerism, Corbynism, whatever. Fuck it. Just take the things that work in this dire scenario that I keep being told that we're in and cobble something together that bloody works. But instead, it's this continual deference to the machine of conservatism. Like we're even seeing like a, a party that's traditionally centre left moving towards conservative like aspects of how they're going to run the economy. Rachel yeah. Reeves in particular. And we know it doesn't work. We've like, well, how much more evidence do you need than 13 years of this? I'll never get over no justice kind of confronting Rachel Reeves on what she said previously. Oh and I was like, that must be, I'd be so embarrassed if I were you, Rachel. I'd be, I'd be, I'd be so mad. I'd be like, I can't believe what I fucking said, said that. Because, no justice. You know, no justice is second to none when it comes to political commentation. She should be at the front of everywhere because she's the only person that I see who actually offers sound policy alternatives to what we have she's absolutely cracking and, and this what this one of the things like you know they're like oh our country's cooked and you know, our gdp is 100 percent whatever it's like france is higher than us and they're going to nationalize edf like where's where's macron getting the money from like what you know why how come no one in france is like oh my god guys you know you hear what macron's doing he's going to borrow loads of money to buy edf 
it, it doesn't make any sense. But, but like, it's like saying, but it, like, but even using the Tory narrative, it doesn't work. Like the the household idea, like you know, if you have a mortgage, if it were like, well, I, look, I have a mortgage. That means I'm, you know, I'm I'm broke. <laughs> no, you you have something. You know, you have a house. Hopefully, but you have a house if you have a mortgage. You you have something. You you go and rent. You know, you go out and get a loan to buy a car. And then you use the car to, you know, for a small business or something. That's actually an asset. That's investing. They, they just look at, the, oh, national debt is massive. Okay, that's a massive problem where we need to cut that. They don't realize that debt is actually money. That's where you get the money from. I, I would say, right, lads, the bond market gave us £38 billion for test and trace. And most of that money, I don't know where it went. The bond market will give you money as long as they think they're going to get return on it. They won't give you it to do a tax cut, but if you're going to say, oh, we're going to buy this thing or make this thing, uh, I bet the bond market will be like, yeah, fuck it. You've not seen like Silicon Valley. They'll throw money at you for anything that looks like technology-based. I wouldn't be surprised if the bond market was that different, to be honest. The thing that's frustrating is that the Tories look at investment as a loss. They look at like improving rail infrastructure as a loss. But if you improve the rail infrastructure, then people have better opportunities and they can travel further to get jobs and they can do it easier. So they'll spend money on the rails. They'll spend money in the supermarkets near where they're working. They'll spend money on the rent working at the place. To cut that out is to just cut your nose off to spite your But, but David, your problem is you're thinking long term. You're not thinking within exactly. the window of five oh, years. Don't... Exactly. That can be an investment banker, right? Speculate to accumulate. That's what they sell on Wall Street and all the investment places, right? Uh, and then the like when it comes to government, it's like, no, we can't do that. No, we can't invest in anything. No, because I would bet with Rishi Sunak, he's one of those traders that would buy short. So it'd be like as soon as it hit that target, let's say, let's say the company makes ten percent increase in its stock value, sell. You wouldn't be thinking ten years down the line. There's plenty of people that do that. I've dabbled in the stock market. I've got a good idea how it works. We've had Gary Stevenson on here, who's <laughs> like a genius with the stock market. And he pointed out that the stocks couldn't crash because we were printing so much money. So we're putting it into bonds instead of just printing it, which is the big difference. And then he said that's why the stock market didn't crash. And that's why he kept predicting correct. I'm wondering. These pension, funds, these pension funds would have collapsed if it wasn't for the Bank of England buying up all the bonds. I was just yeah. going to say... Um, I'd love to speak to someone like that about what's happening at the minute because it was only this evening as I was getting ready for this that I saw a news broadcast that um, it looks like there's fluctuations in the market again. And this goes back to obviously what's happening in um, Palestine right now. But in particular, something that I pointed out is as the price of gas fluctuates due to like, you know, the price of gas fluctuating and we get towards winter, one of the things that pushed down inflation earlier this year was the fact that gas suddenly dropped in price. So if it goes up again, as will no doubt inflation, which means this fucking hoo-ha bullshit promise that Sonic made to like have inflation and, and come and sand your house and all that shit. Like it's like how many things do you do you have to see them lie and demonstrate their idiocy on before you go, maybe these people should actually not run the country. Maybe you can't get him out. He's got complete power. It's a, you know, I, it's like a mini EU authoritarian state. You've got more rights in the EU than you do in the UK. 2025, um, guys. It's you have to wait until 2025, potentially. Do you think he's gonna? Do you think Starmer will will change? Like he said, PR. Now he's gone no, back on that. No, Scrap the Lords. He's kept this, What the hell is he this, gonna change? This thing that people do, where they give Starmer a lot of license to, like, they'll do this thing where they're like, "Oh, Starmer will change when he gets in power." It's exactly what we were saying earlier. If you set out a, a platform prior to like doing anything then that's your platform. And if you don't do that, 
you have abdicated responsibility because you've lied about what you're going to do getting power. So what he's saying is what he will do. So his disappointing stance on the EU, his disappointing stance on green infrastructure, his disappointing stance on reinvestment in the economy. That's what he's going to do. So now is the time to absolutely solder the guy's testicles instead of this like, oh, well, let's just see what happens. Metaphorically speaking. <laughs> yes. I, I take this point. I'm this close no, to no, actually no, no, breaking no, no, no. out. Metaphorically. But yeah, this one, I'm saying, like, you've got to put a trial that's all we can do because we've got to hope the manifesto is decent but at the moment it's looking pretty trash the only thing they've done is railways which is going to be a free nationalization anyways to an extent um there's no there's no promise with what he's saying um they're not going to increase taxes they're not going to change the capital gains tax uh, i mean i really question is he going to be that much different to david cameron and people keep saying oh you know when when tony blair came in he said there's going to be no pay rises for public sector workers but then do you know what he did a public sector pay rise. Yeah, suck it. And I'm like, wow, that's that's tremendous. Wow, you know that that's great. You know, I'm I'm blown away by this. It, it's just it's just stupid. It's people selling other people hope. Honestly, it's just it's snake oil, straight snake oil, 100. It's if, if you're one of those people saying get him into power and then criticize him, then it's like yeah. you've given him everything he wanted. You've given him everything he wanted, which is if he gets a big majority, nope. he ain't gonna listen to you. If your platform is, I'm not as shit as those guys. Then what's what's your platform? What's your ticket? What are you standing on? What are you going to change? What are you going to nationalise? What are you going to do? I don't I don't know what Starmer stands for because he turns what? around and goes, "I'm actually not going to do that thing." And people are like, "Oh, but the Tories are still so much worse." It's like, like yeah, we're we're gonna get rid of the zero hours contracts. Then it's like we're gonna get rid of some zero hours contracts. It's like, oh, mate, you're boring. It's just it's just boring. It's got no charisma, no good policies. There's nothing there for me to say this guy will do a good job. I mean, if we talk about the comms team, right, in Labour, which I've been talking about for about seven, eight months, their comms team is shit. It's complete shit. Yeah. Um, the whole situation with the anti-protest bills, garbage. Don't know how David Lammy managed to get him into such a minefield. The situation now where he was like, um, you know, about it, does Israel have the right to cut off food and water? And it's like, everyone's saying he got taken out of context. It's like, no, he didn't. He didn't it's get taken out of context. It's literally a recorded clip. How can you out of context something that's literally the worst? And, and then he takes nine days to clarify a statement. And everyone's like, oh, look, he clarified. That's not what he meant. It's like, it took bro nine days to figure out what he actually meant. Really? Nine days? That's a pattern with Starmer because I remember when he first took power and he went to that anti-LGBT plus church who was pushing conversion therapy and it took him over a week to issue an apology for going there. And all you needed to do was to know their stance, was to Google the fucking name of the church. And, and, and then he went there again. He went there again. Crazy. I think Starmer... garbage. But I think the Sorry. whole thing with Starmer is that he... he, he puts his finger in the air and goes okay the wind is blowing in this direction i'll run with that and then when it when the wind when the wind dies down he tries it again and I, it's, I don't think it's even that though because sorry the, the polls say that the majority of people in britain support a ceasefire i think mm-hmm. he's just his team are complete garbage and they're yeah. like oh look if you don't back israel they're going to say you're anti-semitic so he goes even further than the tories to back israel because even apparently the government said if israel views white phosphorus that's illegal and then Labour, like, oh, no, we're not going to comment on that. We can't do day-to-day commentary on potential war crimes. But on Russia, he was like, yeah, Vladimir Putin's a war criminal. We just set up a completely new international court system to deal with him. And I'm like, bro, we've got you on video. You're in 4K. We've got you in 4K saying these things. And now you're saying, do you know what I mean? Like, it, it don't make sense. And this guy, during an election, he's going to get rinsed because these media people are going to be looking at opportunities to get him. And it's so easy. It's so easy because his comms team is shit. Look at the, the video I did, the long video on the Labour dealing with the anti-protest bill. You had four people saying four different things. In the end, Starmer completely contradicted um, a few of them as well. That's they just don't know what they're saying. All they have to do, it is impressive to have a shit comms team. All you have to say is, look, everyone, right? this is what we're going to say. 
everyone should be on the same page. If you don't like it, you can go if that's what you want. But, you know, he got called out by a mosque because the mosque didn't realize he was going to use them for a PR opportunity. People contacted the mosque and they were like, I didn't realize he was going to say that because he went to a mosque and said, I reiterated my call for Hamas to release the hostage. I'm like, the mosque can't like, do that. Like some fucking Muslim people in Wales have like Hamas on speed dial for a cheeky fucking chat on a phone. What a moron. You, you realize like that is literally a combination of Michael Scott or David Brent-esque. Like, this is the point. Uh, there's a clip of Michael Scott going into a room to meet Daryl, and he's asking Daryl, who is African American, and saying, "Do you know any gangs? Were you, were you a gang?" And you're like, "That's what Starmer did. That's what Richard Madeley did Richard when he asked Layla yes. Moran. He just, oh my just, god, no, that was awful. And I'm like, that's that is so literally bad. a sketch from The Office, and you've replayed it. The problem yeah. is, but in real life, the problem I felt so is, bad, bro. Yeah, it was yeah. awful. It was. It must. Have, can you imagine trying to deal with the fact that you're losing family members and someone's like, "Oh, well, do you know Hamas personally?" Like, shut like, up. So, did your did you did your family tell you there was going to be a potential attack? Like, surely they've got to know, right? They all know all all, all the people who doesn't know each other. Surely. And then, oh. I mean, there's, there's so much to unpack. How he's still on the air? I, that 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 boggles my mind. But then, how are most? It's because he's still on the air because of things. I, like I think that. it's because she accepted his apology. I think if she said like, look. Um, I was incredibly offended by what he said, and I think he was very stupid in saying that. I think if she if she didn't accept his apology, which I think she, you know it's up to her, um, you know, and I think it was probably mo like as a as a politician, I think it shows a lot of her that she's she's you know a decent person, or at least appears to be so. I think if she said, "Look, man, um, what he said was deeply offensive, and I I I am very upset at what he said," I think if she said that, I think they would have they would have suspended him. But because she said, like, look, it is it from a place of ignorance? He asked that question, um, and that's why I answered it. I think that's why he's still on air. He's very lucky. He's very lucky very that he lucky. is. Imagine keeping your job because you're so ignorant. I wish that was, <laughs> wish that was true with me. I've got to actually know stuff to do my job. It's, it's interesting what you were saying about the ceasefire, and that's what the majority of people want. Because I keep I keep thinking of myself on, on other attempts to use the similar tactic. They use... They, it's quite interesting looking at Israel's state policy. It's very, very similar in many respects to the CIA and how they operate when they want to get rid of a government, that you disrupt the population. You don't necessarily affect or take out the leaders, if you, especially if you can't get a hold of them. But there's other things that they're doing that are similar to the CIA. But this bombing tactic, I think I said it in a previous episode, there's only twice, I mean, I'd argue once in human history where bombing has knocked out the opposition once, and that was World War II and Holland. You could argue about Japan, but that's a nuclear weapon. I think that, personally, I would argue that's a different scale of bombing. Um, and I don't see Israel doing that. But I'm looking at this and going, it didn't work with the Taliban. It hasn't worked with a number of terrorist organizations. I think Vietnam would be the most apt comparison because of the tunnels. And I was going to say Vietnam, yeah, especially with the tunnels. Beat me to it, man. You, you know shit, man. You know no, shit. You know. <laughs> I think the to. thing is, that, like, what we're seeing here is exactly what we've been talking about politically, because this is about, it's almost scapegoatism, you know? Like, we, like, ultimately, it's, it's, it's scary to comment because I don't want to, like, upset people, but, like, I have Muslim mates who are terrified right now, and I have, I have Jewish mm. mates who are fucking petrified. And we're watching horrific stuff happening to innocent people yeah. because of state violence. And I wrote a lengthy article about state violence and the fact that states consistently use individual innocent people as collateral for state-sponsored violence. 
And that's what we really need to get across is that we have to start discussing the fact that states are not people and states don't suffer from violence the same way that we do. And it's always innocent people who are caught up and we need to discuss that and forefront that is the issue because we cannot let innocent people suffer because of what states aspire to but that's what we're doing we just hope that there could be some level of peace and it shows throughout history it tends to be economic and winning the hearts and minds of people so you could look at uh what the british did in burma and i i, I would still say you can look at what happened in northern ireland you eventually ended up having to pay people off uh, as well as try and calm everything down and obviously breaking the ceasefire didn't work, but from another perspective, you could turn around and say they felt they were being slowly suppressed. I'll give you a quick thing that happened to me in 2017. I remember in 2017, I went out for my mate's hemdo, and I used to smoke really heavily. I was outside at this table, and this woman comes over, and she goes, I'm going to borrow your lighter. I was like, yeah, sure. So she sits herself down, should have realised she was a Tory immediately. And she was like, um, oh, so, so who will you be voting for in the upcoming election? And I went, oh, I... Labour, obviously. And she went, oh, so you're a terrorist sympathiser. And I was like, run that by me again. And she was like, well, Jeremy Corbyn and the IRA and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what? what's your solution? And she went, bomb them all. And I was like, how's that working out for you? Because it seems to me that when you bomb people, some people survive and then they watch their entire life fall to shit and they get radicalised sometimes. And then they do the same thing back to you. And it's people like me and you that suffer. And she literally was sat there like, and I was like, anyway, enjoy your sitting. Get her to Google, oh, and next time get her to Google uh, internment in Northern Ireland, and uh, she'll learn a few things. Or Afghanistan. Yeah. It's exactly. using the same tactics. We have Vietnam. these lessons. We have these lessons in living memory, and we are still watching the same cycle play out where, like, how old is the phrase violence begets violence? It's pretty fucking old because it's got the word begets in it, but it's a lesson that we should have learned a long time ago. Brexiteer, Brexiteers were talking about invading France over kippers starving or something. Starving Island. And starving you know, Island. Tells over... like, yeah, we're going to starve out Island. But, but it's the other way around. If France cuts us off from electric and food, we collapse. Like, within two weeks, we'd have we'd collapse well, you know our ancestors lived in the dark you know why can't you where's your blitz spirit you know in london <laughs> the lights were turned off you know well that the people that, are soft that always riles me so much because in the blitz you were under control you couldn't go outside unless you had a reason the lights had to be switched off can you, you imagine a, you can you imagine can you imagine julia heartless brewer in a in, in a situation during 1940 i'm i'm going to switch on my lights I, I, to hell with these lockdowns <laughs> to hell with <laughs> what the what government is telling me allowed outside you can't call me a german conspirator no <laughs> you know what i could imagine them doing telling everyone like to switch the lights off and then if boris had been in charge he'd go outside and light up a fucking christmas tree yes <laughs> Having a party outside. No, the, the lights are very small. They can't see them from here. What are you talking about? Brilliant. I couldn't imagine having any of that lot in charge in World War Two. Um, instead of we saying we lost. will fight them on the beaches, as Boris Johnson would be like, you will fight them on the beaches. You will fight <laughs> in the air. Oh. On that cheerful note, that guy sucks. <laughs> on Sorry. That just, note. <laughs> I just don't like him. I just, I just can't stand the geezer. Honestly, he sucks. Bye, everyone. Bye, bye. week for another exciting story from the files of Police Squad. I was hoping he's going to start signing. <laughs> <laughs>
That's a good sign. <laughs> that was a good sign. Well, it wasn't a good. Oh, it was a bad sign. It was a good sign.